Welcome to the Courage Coaching and Counseling Podcast with Savon Penn, licensed professional counselor here in Portland, Oregon. Wherever you're at in life, this podcast will inspire and encourage you to be more brave in life and take the next best step between where you are and where you want to be. Episode 15 of the podcast, my guest is Jason Wilkinson. He is a counselor and the owner of Wellspace Counseling in Tigard, Oregon. Before becoming a counselor, Jason has this unique uh, story in that he was a youth pastor for almost 20 years. He shares how he made that transition from ministry to counseling. Uh, He also talks about in this episode a season of uh, anger and and burnout and uh, shares how that affected his his marriage. Uh, He also talks about the challenges and stress stress of ministry and uh, says some encouraging things for for church leaders uh, that I really appreciated. Jason has worked uh, half his life with uh, millennials. Uh, So he also shares his thoughts about uh, working with millennials. And uh, finally, he also shares uh, his journey uh, and what he's learning uh, growing uh, as a business owner and uh, private practice owner. Jason uh, began his practice or, or uh, his business uh, last year during the pandemic. And so uh, it, it's interesting to, to hear uh, how he's, uh, he's growing uh, as a counselor and as a business owner. I hope you enjoy today's episode with Jason Wilkinson. Welcome, Jason, to the podcast. Yeah, thanks so much. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for inviting me. You're welcome. I I I, I like your 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 shirt. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Uh, you know, it's it's baseball season. Baseball started up um, just the other day, so my family were big baseball fans. We're big Dodger fans, and so this one I actually got from my my in laws. Uh, so repping the Dodgers, uh, kind of like in a Hawaiian style shirt. It's pretty fun. Nice. I, it's been 30 years since I've been to a Dodger game, uh, at, at least. Uh, but but it's, it's fun to um, ha- have that in common. We're both from uh, California and made our way up here uh, to Portland, Oregon. Yeah, yeah. And that's pretty fun to, I, I feel like you and I, we've got a lot in common, uh, some similarities. So uh, this is really fun to, to sit here and to be with you right now and be able to share some of them. Great. The, um, so Jason is a, a therapist uh, here in, in Oregon, but before that, you were uh, in student ministry for, for many years. How, how many years? Yeah, so I did student ministry, uh, worked with middle school, high school, and young adults, uh, college young adults for 18 plus years. Um, wow. So yeah, uh, in various roles in, in different ways, but uh, yeah, I got to do that as an occupation uh, for 18 plus years and it was a blast. Yeah. Before we dig into, uh, more about your ministry and how you made that transition from ministry to, to therapy, uh, we'd love to hear a little bit, uh, about your, your background uh, growing up. Yeah. So I grew up in Fresno, California. I'm one of four kids and, um, my parents and I, we, uh, my parents, uh, are still married. And so really had, uh, you know, one of those, this is a really good, it was a really good childhood. And then as you get older, you start recognizing different things. It's like, oh, you know what, this kind of hurt or, or this memory kind of hurt or different things that took place. And, um, it's one of those things where even when you grow up in what you think is a great, uh, with a great childhood, yeah, uh, you still, you still, there's still wounds there. Like there's no way around it. There's still things that you pick up, um, different things that parents said, even if it wasn't meant to harm you, it still does some harm. Mm. And uh, it's, it creates a, like a pain inside of you that none of us get to escape. 
<laughs> right? Mm -hmm. So uh, even if, whether you came from a, uh, the ideal home situation or you came from one that was more of a, a less than ideal, you're still gonna walk away with wounds from your, from your childhood, from, your, from growing up. And um, yeah, so I, I, I came up with the different messages and even just feeling feelings of not being good enough, um, not measuring up um, and different messages that, that still kind of I walk with today um, and, uh, and try to work through uh, on a regular basis. Yeah, yeah, it, it sounds like you, you uh, had a, a, like a happy childhood but yeah. then it started it uh started those messages started getting louder or, or playing out yeah when, absolutely. When, when did you start noticing uh, that you know it, it, probably not until my uh late 20s uh Ooh, is when i first okay. started when i first really started realizing like oh i got these messages coming around um that are just that i carry with me and yeah. uh so even even the even the realization of these messages, um, because nobody even if so if you grow up in a in a good home and I did with two great parents, um, you, nobody likes to blame their parents. If you go especially if you grow up in a in a house where you're like no I had great parents and I had a great childhood and my parents were were amazing. It's like well, yes and mm -hmm. uh, they're they're wounded too, right? So they carry their pain yeah. and their pain is going to spill out onto you one way or another. Yeah. Uh, and so I didn't, I probably didn't realize it until I was in my late twenties when I kind of ran up against different uh, challenges, different things in ministry and different messages that I had, that really got louder in my head. Mm. Um, things that I had already been carrying with me that just got louder. Yeah. I'm so glad you're, you're sharing this because uh, I know a lot of folks have that similar ex uh, experience, and it's really confusing. Like, yeah. what? I, I had a great childhood. What? Um, what do I have to complain about, or why am I struggling? Um, and and it didn't. And that's surprising that you didn't notice it until your late twenties. Um, so I'm guessing, like er earlier, you were. Did you get involved in ministry uh, in your early twenties? Yeah, so I yeah I was one of those lucky people, if you want to call it that. I I knew early on. I knew when I was uh, basically when I was graduating high school that I was going to go into ministry. That that's the direction that I was going to go into. And mm -hmm. so undergrad, I spent um, uh, studying ministry while also just uh, working, um, interning. Uh, filling all of my waking hours uh, doing ministry and hanging out with students. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so undergrad did that, uh, started seminary right after that, um, going for a, a master's of divinity, which I eventually got. It took me nine years to get it, but I, I eventually got it. Um, and that was a little bit of a journey. But so I knew right away that I was going to go into ministry, that that was going to be something that I wanted to do. Um, and it, I realized like, I, I'm a helper. That's what I do. I care about people. I want to help people. I want to uh, guide and mentor. And um, so that was the big, that was really one of the big pushes that got me involved in, in ministry and, and guided the direction of, half of half of my life at, at, at this point yeah. Uh, yeah yeah so uh uh can you say a little bit more about nine years in seminary like, <laughs> what, what what stretched that out yeah so well it was just one of those things where i i graduated um from from undergrad and i knew i wanted to go into seminary i knew i was going to go into seminary at some point but I couldn't find a full-time ministry job to start when I first graduated from undergrad. And so I thought, I found a part-time job. I was offered a part-time ministry position. And um, I thought, well, I got all this extra time. I don't want to waste it. So I started uh, with seminary and I quickly realized uh, after taking, undergrad, uh, taking out some loans for undergrad 
I was like, I don't want to do that for to get a, a graduate degree. I, I, I want to be able to pay for it out of pocket. So that's what I did. And there were a couple of, there was a move also from when I started seminary, I moved to the Bay Area in California and, uh, and started going to a seminary there. But there was a, there was a I took a, a year break before starting back up again uh, or six months, whatever it was. And then even moving from the Bay Area up to Portland, there was another six month break before I could start that up again uh-huh. and uh, or continue on with it. So there was some transitionings, transitions going on, but mainly the big, the big one was I was paying for seminary as I was going along. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, uh, I, I, I did, did the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Is yeah. that right? Yeah. So I, I, uh, took, uh, five years to go through, uh, uh, seminary at uh, Multnomah here here in Portland uh, for a pastoral studies uh, degree. Yeah. Um, started in the MDiv program. Yeah. And and then realized uh, a better fit, more one on one in small groups. Not not a good preacher. Um, <laughs> so and then um, and then took five years to get through the counseling degree. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, very yeah. similar. Yeah. Um, it- and then. Through, so through that, you're doing ministry, you're going to school, and then you've got a family too. Yeah, so I started my family uh, when I was, yeah, so I had finished up my master's degree, and my wife and I started up our family, and uh, that's when, uh, you know, I was I was working as, as a, uh, in middle school ministry, and uh, we had one kid. Uh, and we were kind of thinking about, all right, so my wife and I were talking and praying and thinking like, okay, so what's, what's next? What's, what's the next thing? Cause I started feeling there was a little bit of an urge to see like, uh, or a push from God or a tug saying like, uh, you know, there may, you may need to start or may want to start thinking about it. what's next. And, but the other thing that was going on for me is I was looking around at just the the increase of anxiety and depression and low self-esteem that was going on with young people uh, during during my my time in ministry and just how the increase seemed to be going exponential uh, just an exponential increase a rapid increase uh, mm-hmm. even even in the seven to eight years that I had been up here in the Portland area at that time and I thought I am nowhere near equipped enough to help out the way that I want to help out. I mean, I can do a few things just based on the pastoral counseling education that I had gotten and I knew I could always refer out. But for me, it was like, I want to, I, I want to help. I want to be able to help parents. I want to be able to help students. I want to be able to help. I just want to help. Yeah. And uh, that's when I started looking more into uh, counseling. And I was thinking like, Oh, well, you know, I'll, uh, just talking to my wife and we were thinking about it. And it's like, well, even if, even if I stay in ministry, but I get a counseling degree, uh, it's going to be a huge benefit. It's going to be a huge benefit. There's no way there's, it's, it's just going to be a benefit to everybody. And so, um, started getting a, started working towards a, a degree at George Fox, uh, university and uh, that took me I think four years to to get through um, and during that time yeah I was going to school I was uh, having a, a, a small family and a small young family and uh, and uh, working doing ministry full time those so, uh, years of very full weeks. Oh gosh. You know what is so funny too is like, um, I did not drink coffee at all until I had a kid. So it was <laughs> one of those things where it's like, yeah, I don't need coffee. I feel good. I like, I got energy. I'm feeling great. And then as soon as you get a kid, it's like, oh man, I am falling asleep at 2 PM in the afternoon. <laughs> and so yeah. I became a pretty big coffee drinker at that point. Yes. So, <laughs> Um, the first year, uh, or, um, yeah, the, 
one one of my first years in Portland, I lived above a coffee shop. Oh. And only got one cup of coffee that whole year. I was, I was I was not a coffee drinker either. It, it wasn't until I was working uh, graveyard shift as a sleep technician. Okay. Uh, you, you know, watching people sleep. That yeah. Is, you know, um, and uh, yeah, even the first year of working graveyard, I, I didn't drink coffee. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but but uh, kids uh, will, will definitely. Uh, um, uh, affect your energy level. Oh gosh, sleep. yeah, it's a, that's just a different level of of energy. Yeah, yeah, and and lack of sleep. E I mean, I, even I, even work even working with teenagers didn't oh, wipe you off. No, you're, you're fine. <laughs> well, yeah, and you know, I mean, sometimes when you're uh, in undergrad or grad school, you're pulling all nighters to get papers done and doing different things, and then so I would have to do that sometimes, and then go to work, and I was fine. I'd be able to make it. But yeah, once I had a kid, it was it was that was game over. I'm I'm looking around. I'm like, I need a stimulant. I need something that's going to help me stay awake. And mm -hmm. coffee became a good friend of mine. <laughs> yeah, and we've got good coffee here here in Portland. Oh yeah, there's no shortage of it here. <laughs> so the uh, your your um, before uh, uh, digging into you know, the transition to to therapy. Um, uh, want to ask uh you um jason do you if you have any advice for youth pastors that might be listening um or or even pastors for like your years of of uh, uh helping uh, your 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 students um any advice you have for um folks struggling with anxiety depression self-harm yeah things like that uh so uh, just on a on one level, um, build up a good referral base. Like, partner with therapists. Get to know therapists. Um, if you are meeting with, I'd say like if you're meeting with people for pastoral care, um, and because pastors have tons of responsibilities, and it the, it's such a busy life, and it's getting busier. It's not slowing down. Um, so. If you're meeting with people more than I would three or four times and you're not making any headway on solving the concern or the issue that, that the person is coming to you for, it might be time to really think about how do I refer this person out to a therapist um, so that I can be freed up to do what it is that I have been called to do, which is lead a, lead a church. Um, hmm. And so I think a lot of times we feel like a, a pastor may feel like really guilty about doing that, thinking like this is my person and I'm supposed to be the one that's caring for this person and nobody else will do it like I can do it. And there's a sense of responsibility that, that we carry with that. And the truth is the best care is often finding the right person to help get it done uh, well. Wow. So. Yeah. Um, you're really caring for somebody well when you're connecting them with a therapist who is trained to help them do that. Yeah, uh, I think that's I think that's even helpful for for parents. Yeah, I think parents can feel that pressure of like I I, I need to be the one to to help my my child. Yeah, uh, work through this. So, yeah. yeah, and it it feels like such it maybe feels like you're letting them down because you're not able to fix the the problem or help with the issue. And the truth is none of us can fix all the, even, even me as a, even us as, as therapists, we're not trained to help in, in every situation. And so for us, even knowing when, when a client comes in and we're not best equipped to help them with that for us, it's like, well, I, you're better served by if I refer you to somebody else who's really trained and equipped to help you with that. Um, pastors kind of need to do the same thing. And then I would also add just from, for, for, a, for a pastor too, is, 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 uh, well, sorry about, that. I had something come up. Um, but, um, even for a pastor to be, uh, for a pastor to be, um, uh, willing to go and, and know when they're hitting their limits. 
So being willing to go and reach out for help for themselves, uh, to take care of themselves, because for, for pastors, it's like, well, I'm not the one that's supposed to be hurting. Uh, I have God. Uh, I'm just not putting enough um, faith in God, or I'm maybe not putting enough uh, emphasis on my own quiet time or, or uh, in, in my own study, in my own prayer life. And sometimes we forget that, yeah, God also gave us community and uh so that we can carry each other's burdens yeah and as a as a pastor you gotta you gotta be willing to go find help for you too yeah. and um in uh, in your ministry jason what were some of the the, the the hardest points what were some of the times that you, you had to do that uh yeah the hardest part for me was often when um, I was not getting the feedback that I, that I was hoping to get. So again, kind of like as a helper, you want to help and you think that you're good at what you do. And, um, not everybody feels that way. <laughs> so for me, yeah. I had, I mean, if I'm just getting, if, if I get a little bit more specific, um, I've had different supervisors, different pastors who are supervisors for me, who um, like I would get feedback from students and students were showing up to my programs and everything that I was doing. And I was getting good feedback from parents. Parents loved what I was doing. Uh, vol uh, volunteers would love what I was doing, but my supervisor would have something where they just did not think that I was doing a, a good enough job or maybe I had reached my potential. And, um, mm. uh, and so for me, it was like, I'm, I'm angry. And I don't even know why, like, just feeling this anger, this burnout, um, feeling not supported for yeah. me. That's when yeah. the messages really started coming up for me. Like, I'm not, I, I don't know what's wrong. I'm, I'm not good enough for this person. And, uh, and that, that like suck the joy out of the, the work. Yeah. Yeah. Virginia. Yeah. That was, that was big discouragement. And, um, you know, one of those things about, uh, I would say I was mildly depressed and one of those things that, that, uh, depression can do for you is it can make you angry, <laughs> you mm. know, and, uh, you, you doubt yourself, you doubt you're calling and, and you can get angry. And I got, I got angry, not angry at, um, not in a, like, Hey, I'm going to blow up all over you or I'm going to start screaming or anything, but just brooding mm -hmm. for me, it was just a brooding, uh, anger and a pain that I was carrying. That's a nice Christian version of anger. Yeah. yeah right. Okay. It's the yeah. one where we don't show everybody that we're actually hurting or that we're angry. And it was really hard. Cause as a pastor, you're not supposed to show everyone that you're hurting. Like I'm here to help everybody else. I can't talk about my hurts because yeah. even then you're, uh, you just, you get, you get kind of like in this, like, I'm not supposed to talk bad about anybody. I'm not supposed to talk bad about my bosses or my church, but you don't have any friends either. Oh, man. <laughs> That's really, I, I'm a pastor's kid. So I, 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 at, for, for my dad, um, I, I remember it uh, like feeling really isolated and, and alone. It, it's really tough. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Did it absolutely. affect your marriage? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, although, I mean, again, this is one of those things like I have, I have a fantastic wife. I would never speak bad about my wife. Mm -hmm. uh, um, but yeah, there were definitely moments where um, she she got tired of me, <laughs> mm. where she got tired of of, um, and I wouldn't even seem tired of me. She got tired of of seeing me hurting, being uh, affected, and being a, yeah. yeah, and how it would. I mean, and again, it would impact her. Mm. Uh, it would impact her. Uh, you know, I I don't know how to say it outside of. Yeah, she saw me hurting and it impacted her and how it impacted her. I think she would be able to say that much better than, than I would 
Um, so I wouldn't want to put words into her mouth, but um, yeah, it, it just impacted our marriage. And so yeah. we went and got a marriage counseling um, for us. And it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Again, not that we were, we weren't in danger of divorce. We weren't going to get divorced. We weren't even in an open, angry conflict. It wasn't one of those situations, but it was one of those things where you could just tell like, hey, this is going to be good for us. Mm. Even if we just do it as a check in to have conversations that maybe we had not been having and just things that we were harboring against one another without even knowing that we were harboring it. So um, for us, it was great. Um, and we try to make it a point to go ahead and have uh, or or participate in marriage counseling just on a every five year basis, even if nothing is going on. Mm. Because truth is, I, I'm sure you you know or experience, have experienced this. It's just like, hey, marriage is hard. <laughs> like, and yeah. and um, there's a lot of stress, and especially now during COVID, like there's so many things that are pulling people away um, yeah. from each other, and not a lot going on that's bringing people together. And so, marriage counseling can be one of those things that helps you come together. So many couples right now, so many marriages are feeling like they're not on the same team, that they're in opposition uh, to one another. And it's so, already hard. Oh yeah, going through this, but but when that creeps in, just makes it harder. Yeah, so so hard, and people feeling alone even inside of their marriage. Hmm. Um, so there, there's just times when it, having another person there to help you guide or navigate conversations, who's gonna poke um, in, a, in a gentle way. Yeah, then, I like, I like, uh, like counseling as a check-in. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of uh, uh, like assume that, but your, re- your recent blog about five reasons to do couples counseling, uh, one of those was as a check-in. Uh, I'll, I'll share that in, in, in the notes. I thought that was re- really helpful even if it, you're not in a, like an active conflict, um, um, but, but just as a, a way of, of checking in when things feel off, it's really helpful. Yeah, like, I don't know how often, I, I mean, that's just how things, I mean, it's, it's uh, oftentimes it's how things start, right? Uh, you don't have to be in an open conflict for things to just feel off. And, um, and then those kind of painful messages that we carry about ourselves, when, when we, uh, when we face something, or let's say my wife says something, looks at me in a way that makes me feel a pain that I've been carrying from uh, my childhood or something that I've picked up. And so I just got this message that's kind of going on inside of, inside of me. I am gonna automatically react. I, I won't even necessarily like, um, uh, I won't even necessarily, uh, have time to think about how I want to react. It's just an automatic thing. And then, so then I go ahead and I have an automatic reaction to something that she says to me, and then she's going to pick that up and have her pain. And and then she'll automatically react. And before you know it, it's just everybody is reacting without having any intentionality to it. And you're in, you're really in a cycle of pain. And, And so Counseling can help you figure a lot of that stuff out too. Yeah. So years of ministry, you could, you wanted to get more training to deal with uh, the, the mental health issues that you were seeing uh, in your students um, and wanted to, to feel better equipped. Um, how, so what what does your your training look like now? Are are you still in ministry, or, or are you um, full time in in uh, counseling practice and, and as a therapist? Yeah, I am. Uh, I am full time in counseling as a therapist, and so up here in Oregon, I'm working towards. I'm not full fully licensed. I'm working towards licensure. Um, uh, you you have to get uh, tw- 2,400 hours worth of um, of, uh, counseling in order to be fully licensed. So I'm on my way to getting that. 
Um, but I am full-time therapy, uh, have, have started my own practice recently, uh, and it, am really enjoying, I'm enjoying the process. I'm enjoying the process and, and the ride of trying to, to, to help people in a totally different way. Yeah. Um, and then, but yet have something very similar uh, going on as well. So yeah, uh, 18 years yeah. or, or more. Um, that that's a big change. So uh, one of the things I'm asking uh, guests is how does courage show up in their lives and and in in the lives of the people that they help uh, in their clients or uh, the people they help. Um, uh, t- uh, there there's lots of pastors that are probably like rethinking ministry this year um, with how things are going. So whether it's a transition to therapy or grad school or another uh, career field, can you speak to, to them um, about what, what you learned and, and how you made that decision? Yeah, so I, um, I would say uh, like God, God opens doors. And a lot of times I think we wait for uh, we wait for like a really strong, solid sign that God is going to come and, and lead us and direct us or guide us. And I just don't think uh, it could be that like, hey, you have multiple options or multiple doors that are open and God has opened all of them up for you and is looking at you and saying, hey, like these are all good choices. Uh, go with one. Mm-hmm. Um, because in any case, I'm still even as a therapist, I'm still able to to serve God or to help other people or love other people and fulfill uh, the, the mission um, as a therapist of loving God and loving others. Uh, I, I would think that the courage is there. It's already there inside of you. Um, and sometimes you just got to tap into it. I ask for help. Take Do things that care for yourself and rejuvenate yourself and um yeah i i just i i think those are are really big big ones you know looking for guidance looking for help and i would say too i would say this about about ministry is because i think we forget about this too is um uh ministry is not worth the cost of your your own soul so if you are hurting enough and just in so much pain because of the ministry that you're participating in, um, you know, get the help that you need. If it's time for you to move on, don't hold on. The, the, the work is not worth the cost of your soul. So if you're in a really bad situation, get the help and, and, uh, and reach out and like, figure it out. We can figure it out. Mm. Get, get the help to figure it out, I guess. To figure it out, make a change. Yeah. 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 So, uh, therapy, uh, going from student ministry into therapy, what are the, um, the things that you're, you're specializing in or focusing on? Yeah, so I feel really good um, having worked with millennials for the better part of my life, um, or at least half of my life. Uh, I really love working with millennials. And, and at this point in time, they're in that college, young adult, uh, early career um, situation. A lot of them are becoming parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really love working in that age group. Uh, I still work with some high schoolers, not as many middle schoolers. Um, and I love working with marriages with couples because I've also learned over time that if I can help parents out, I'm helping out the whole family. Right. So if I can help out parents um, and people in their marriages, um, I can help out the kids too. Uh, so that's also a, a big passion of mine. Marriages and uh, young adults, people that are dealing with anxiety, depression, low self-esteem, and uh, marriages who are needing assistance with communication are in conflict um, and wanting to understand kind of the, the relational system 
uh, or how their relationship is functioning. Yeah. The, um, for, for marriage counseling, do you have a, a, a specific uh, framework or, or um, training yeah. that you'd like to? Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I have some training in EFT, but I am, I'm what is called really like a, a restoration therapist. Uh, so I found restoration therapy. It was developed by Dr. Terry Hargraves done at Fuller Seminary. Um, I just kind of happened upon it. And uh, we really kind of look at in restoration therapy, you, you look at kind of like a person's pain cycle. What are the messages that they have or receive about themselves? And then what kind of automatic coping behaviors do they go into? Mm. And then are those coping behavior, behaviors helping you actually achieve or get to the goal that you want, the desired outcome that you're looking for? Yeah. Uh, so I've found that it works in um, marriages as well as individuals, um, but in marriages, it's great. What's, what's great about it is you can really see how each individual is, their, their coping behavior is impacting the other person. And really everybody that we, we go around and walk around and talk to and interact with. But in marriages, it's, it's pretty big. And you can um, talk through the pain cycle that the couple is uh, currently in and uh, dealing with. And uh, what can you do or what steps can you do or take to get into more of a place of peace and operate from a peace rather than a pain? Yeah. So we look a lot at that, the negative messages um, and work to discover, well, what's actually true about you? And it jives really well with, with, with my faith, with the Christian faith um, as well, just because uh, when we think about the messages that we have and have been given from, from God, from our creator, uh, how many times do we actually believe those messages. So again, if I am thinking of myself as not being good enough or not measuring up, hmm. well, what does God say about me? What, what name does God give me? Um, you know, we, we read about that in the Christian scriptures about God giving new names. And uh, hmm. if I am just beating myself down with a certain name, I'm a failure. I am not loved. I am whatever it may be, whatever message we, we hear. Uh, mm. Well, at least in, in, in my faith, um, gosh, are those messages really true? Right. Well, no, <laughs> like that's, God has given me a name and he's, he's called me his own and he's called, you know, he, he loves me and I need to live in that truth rather than in the the negative message and if i if i own that truth if i can live in that truth well then the outcomes the way that i want to act um rather than react are very very different hmm. so that's kind of like a the short and sweet that's of good. it that's yeah that's a good overview so for, one thing i i i uh, i'm gonna take away from what you just described is uh, a, a lot of times folks grow up in church and, and even in 20 years of ministry, uh, you know, we know God loves us. I mean, that's the message. But if, if we don't address the pain or the wounds, um, we, we don't really understand why that, that truth of God's love isn't really thinking in and, and, and not really fully experiencing it because the pain because of those negative messages those negative messages are pain the big part of the pain yeah and oftentimes i think we're just so used to and so comfortable with the pain right so like we've lived mm -hmm. we've lived with it for i don't know sometimes for some of us decades uh and so we're just used to the pain and when when um and because of our brain and because everything that's coming out about neuroscience and and uh, attachment and everything. Um, oftentimes when we, uh, when we recognize, see something, smell something, see, you know, any, any kind of experience that seems familiar to us that has caused us pain in the past, 
our, our brains are hardwired in to go ahead and directly just bam, uh, go to this behavior. This is the coping behavior that keeps you safe, that protects you, that you are just used to. So, so we know it, we know it really, really well. We're comfortable in it. Mm. We're not as comfortable living in the truth of, of who we are. In fact, a lot of times uh, clients will just say like, oh, this is, this is weird. I don't, be- I, I know it's true, but I don't, I'm having a hard time believing it. And it's abs- that's absolutely the case because it takes time to develop new <laughs> neural pathways. It's really uncomfortable. It's super uncomfortable uncom- to live in a, in a way that we're not used to. Mm-hmm. And, to and to accept a truth that we're just, we have a hard time believing. Yeah. about our about ourselves yeah and it's not that like god's love and forgiveness and and, and grace it's not that's not the, the the um the the bad part like that feels great it's the the feeling of like it, it's too good to be true or if, if yeah. i mess up it's going to be taken away yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. Um, you, you're, you're still doing ministry with, with, <laughs> with clients it's, it's just a little different uh different mode or different tool yeah yeah it's a different there's different tools and um the relationship is different uh certainly than than as a pastor uh but it is it's still ministry you're helping people really understand who it is that they are like just uh, leaning more into the truth of who they are rather than accepting or I don't even want to say accept and it instead of just kind of being who it is that they've told or have been told that they are um and and those 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 parts of them that just aren't true uh, and they have inherently just accepted it as truth or have quite literally had it spoken into them. Mm. It's, I, I think that's one of the, the key differences between um, uh, being a part, part of, of uh, or uh, the way we do church and then hearing sermons about God's love and our identity, but being able to process and talk with uh, you as a therapist the, the the dialogue is part of what rewires the yeah. the, the messages not not just hearing it um but but kind of processing and, and working that out um yeah uh i can i shift gears a little bit uh yeah. um the you you were uh in different types of ministries but uh employed by, by churches um, and now you're in private practice and a uh, uh, practice owner or a part of a group or are you on your own? Yeah, no, I'm on my own. Okay, yeah. What, yeah. What, what's that like? And, and um, you know, how, how, what are you learning? Uh, that? <laughs> yeah, uh, I am learning a whole lot about business, business stuff. Okay. And um, I'm learning, but I'm, uh, you know what? I'm really learning to trust my strengths a lot more uh and um and and learning that i am uh that i am just by myself like i'm an i'm enough now there's there's it's a it's a lot of risks uh um and a lot of them feel bigger some are bigger some are smaller um but even just kind of learning and trusting myself like yeah if this goes wrong will I be okay? Like, will I be able to figure it out? Even if I go ahead and I do this, Mm. I will, I will be okay. I mean, I would, don't get me wrong. I'd rather not mess up and save myself the time and the energy and the, and the resources. But even if I do get it wrong, I will be okay. Um, So I think learning that or, or growing in that is, is a great gift um, that I, I am enough to be okay, uh, is, is a great gift. Yeah. Um, do you think you could have, you would have been able to say that with that confidence 10 years ago? 
No. If he had made the switch 10 years ago? <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, absolutely not. Um, and it's funny, I, I don't know that I would have been able to say that uh, really five years ago or, or um, certainly not 10, but uh, even five years ago, I'm not sure that I would have. It, it's a thing that kind of comes with really acceptance, <laughs> like accepting parts of who I am and who God has come, uh, created me to be. And that, because uh, even, in, even in ministry, uh, it's really hard to not go in with a, the mindset of, I need to keep improving. I need to improve. I need personal growth. Uh, I need to do better for myself. I need to do better for God. I need to do better for my relationships. Uh, I just need to go ahead and keep improving. And while I'm not against improvement now or self-improvement now or personal growth now, uh, I think I've also learned quite a bit about, hey, like, I'm pretty, I'm okay. Like I am, mm -hmm. I am okay Being right now. Being at ease with yourself. Just, yeah, just with who I yeah. am. Yeah. And, and so, mm -hmm. I, yeah, that's, that's a huge, I just think that's a huge gift. Mm -hmm. And when I'm able to go ahead and sit in that place and just be okay and recognize that, you know, God still loves me and gives me his grace just as I am right now, mm -hmm. as if, uh, I were as, as just, he gives me that same grace and that same love now, um, as he would, if I were spending 20 hours in prayer or, you know, on my knees or studying scripture or in, in active, uh, ministry, helping somebody else. Like he loves me just the same. That allows, okay. I, I, you know, to sit here now and just be okay and to accept who I am really gives me freedom to enjoy God more, I think, and enjoy God's grace more because I don't feel the need to, to do all those other things. I still yeah. want to do them. That doesn't mean I've stopped doing it, uh, yeah. any of it, but there's more freedom now for me to enjoy, to enjoy it now. Yeah. We, we enjoy God. We enjoy life when we have that sense that he enjoys us. Yeah. 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 And so, yeah, I think it's a, it's a great gift to be sitting in the, in that space and one that I want to help other people reach. Right. I mean, that's what we, that's what we want to help other people get to that space too. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. The, um, uh, as we wind down the, the, the time is any last thoughts, uh, Jason, that you'd like to share with, with listeners? What? Any of the things that we've talked about or anything else? Uh, yeah. Uh, one, I, I would just say, like, um, you are doing okay. Uh, wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, you're doing okay. And that's just, you're, there's, you, there's no need for you to put extra pressure on yourself. Um, there are people who, I there are people who care for you and support you and want to help um, if you are feeling that need. And uh, during this time of COVID, we're, I, I feel like we're still busy, as busy as ever, if not busier mm -hmm. uh, during this whole time. And it's okay, like you, you are enough. You are, you are enough and you are okay. Um, I, I would say that's kind of like, I don't know. That's the big message, I guess. Yeah, I don't know if it's a good one, but that's the one that I got. That's a good one. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm taking a deep breath and, and soaking, soaking that one in. Yeah. Thank you, Jason. So um, I'll, I'll include uh, links uh, with uh, how to connect uh, with Jason uh, uh, in the show notes and uh, in the in the comments uh, of our, our YouTube video, really appreciate uh, you coming on, Jason. Really uh, uh, great to to get to meet you and, uh, and get to know a little bit more about your story, and um, uh, look forward to to learning more from you. I, we we didn't get into your your writing uh, too much, but uh, 
I want I want to say I I've been appreciating uh, Jason's uh, blogs and um and it looks like you're still writing uh, for youth ministry, too. Yeah, yeah. So I am. I, I still am trying to. Uh, you know, I'm I'll, even though I'm not directly uh, involved in student ministry anymore. I still feel like I have I have something to give. Um, and I want to still stay connected. So yeah, I'm still writing for different youth ministry blogs and um, uh, have my own blog up just to try to give practical advice and steps on things that people can do in order to, to really kind of reach the, their goals of emotional, mental, and spiritual wellness. Great. Thank you once again, Jason. Yeah, thanks Take so care. much. You too, thanks. I love where Jason ended this epi episode. Uh, you are enough and you are okay. Uh, he, uh, Jason, I've I, I been connected with him on social media, and but this was our first conversation. And uh, I just really appreciate his heart um, uh, for people and uh, his transparency and, uh, and sharing what he's gone through uh, uh, with ministry and marriage. And then now as he's um, building his private practice, I hope you'll connect with him on Instagram. He does uh, really good videos, encouraging things on Instagram. Um, and he also writes uh, very helpful blogs. Uh, lately, he's been sharing about uh, anxiety. And he also does uh, some short videos on communication and marriage. Uh, so I encourage you to, if you're on Instagram, to follow him uh, and uh, encourage you to follow me on Instagram too. I don't think I've said that before on this podcast. Uh, I'm at Savon Penn uh, Counseling uh, on Instagram and you can uh, get a heads up for future episodes. And uh, I like to share uh, on my stories uh, helpful posts from other uh, counselors. I don't post too much, uh, but I love sharing uh, uh, things that are encouraging and inspiring me. And also there's lots of really helpful therapists on Instagram. You can learn a lot about different mental health topics. Uh, I certainly do. Um, whether it's a post or videos that people share, um, may that, that might be something that I do more, uh, in the future. And, uh, once again, thank you for listening and, uh, please, uh, rate and subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, would would love uh, your support in that area. Uh, you can also view uh, these episodes on YouTube. Um, and the, uh, if you want to see Jason's uh, Dodger shirt uh, that we mentioned, uh, uh, you can uh, see that on the YouTube recording of this episode. Take care and have a great week.